Our reading this evening is from 2 Peter chapter 3. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. You should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be? in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In Genesis chapter 6, when God says to Noah that the earth is corrupt and that he's going to send a flood to wipe away all the wickedness from upon the earth, and he gives him instructions about building an ark, when God said to Noah, make an ark out of gopher wood big enough for two of every animal to save you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives. When Noah was given those instructions, all that he had to go on was the word of God. There were no dark clouds in the sky, no forecasts of rain, no floods predicted. There were no tremors in the earth. There was no sense that these wicked people on the face of the earth, that they were going to stop anytime soon. All that Noah had to go on was the word of God, which to our ears, to frail, sinful human ears, sounds like the thinnest of threads, just dangling there by a word from God, hoping desperately, hoping against hope that it would be true, that he wouldn't be found a fool, that it would pay off in the end. Not so for Noah. He didn't think of himself as hanging on by just a thread. Because no one knew that the word of God is sure and certain. That it never has been broken, never can be broken, and it never will be broken. He knew that the word of God is what created the heavens and the earth in the first place. That it was by the breath of God that all of these men on earth, the wicked ones included, 
lived. Noah knew that it was the word of God which determines what is good and right and true, and it is the word of God which never fails. The word of the Lord endures forever. It seems to our sinful human flesh, it seemed to those around him undoubtedly that he was hanging on by just a thread, that he was a kooky old man. Might as well be standing on a street corner, on a box with a sign that says the end is near. He seemed that crazy. We don't have any accounts in the Bible about how crazy Noah seemed to his friends and neighbors, but you can only imagine. And your imagination is probably true. Here he is constructing this enormous boat. Where's the flood, Noah? How are you going to get all those animals on the boat, Noah? How is this going to work out in your favor? You're wasting your life. Noah was vindicated when the rains began to fall, and he and his family went in the ark and the door was shut. He was vindicated as the ark rose above the waters, and he and his family were kept safe, eight souls in all, and the flood drowned the wicked world with all of its wickedness. Noah was vindicated. God tells us that the last day will be like that day. Jesus explains to his disciples that the end of time will be just like that. When the Son of Man comes again, it will be as in the day of Noah. For as it it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. It's that coming of the Son of Man that Peter is talking about in our lesson tonight. This coming which seemed, even at his time, to be delayed. Where is the Son of Man, the scoffers said. Didn't Jesus promise that he would come again? And here you are, Peter, becoming old. Peter says in this letter that he knows his time is short. Where is Jesus, this Jesus in whom you've trusted, this Jesus who you claim has been raised from the dead? Where is he? Time keeps on spinning on. The sun keeps rising and setting. Things are going on now as they always have been. That's what the scoffers say. Peter says, pay attention instead to God's word. For God does not reckon time the way that you and I do. God does not reckon time in the same way so that a thousand years or two thousand years or ten thousand years to God might be the blink of an eye. So his delay is not a delay as we might count it. And when God waits, when he is patient, before that day comes, the great and awesome day of the Lord, it is for our sake. It is for our good. But here are these scoffers, and they were there at the time of Peter. They're here in our world as well. I was thinking about the way that it was so subtle about a year and a half ago when we were told across the board that church, that church is non-essential. This is one of those things that you can do without. What an amazing thing to scoff at the essential nature of church. Here we are listening to God's word, which is not just dangling by a thread, but it is our lifeblood, our hope, our future. And the scoffers came. And they said, no, you can do without that. Or they might say, look, by being in church, you're missing out on so much that you might have in store for you. You're missing out on all the things that you could enjoy in this life. Why are you so busy building this ark? What are you hedging against? We know how things are going to go. You're going to live, and you're going to grow old, and you're going to die. You might as well eat, drink, and be merry now. You might as well enjoy it. Why are you wasting your time sitting in pews? The world scoffs. Our own flesh scoffs. 
makes us think we're crazy. Maybe I'm crazy to listen to the words out of this old book. Maybe I'm crazy to be around all these people who are likewise listening to the words out of this old book. Maybe we're all just out of our minds. That's what our flesh says as it scoffs. God's word, that's just a thread. It's just one way of looking at the world. Maybe it's all not true. Maybe we're building this boat for nothing. Peter says, don't be surprised that the scoffers come. That's what they're going to do. They've always been around, those who live for their flesh. They've always spoken against God and his word and his promises. They live for their bellies. Their bellies are their gods. That's what Jesus says. Don't listen to them. Because everything that they claim about the futility of your worship, about the futility of living lives of holiness and blessedness, everything that they claim is based on a lie. They know it's not true. Your flesh knows it's not true. That this world has always been here and it always will be. What a lie. Where did it all come from? Where did it all begin? Where did you come from? Where did you begin? Who are we to think that just because we've lived a few days, we know the beginning and end of things? Who are we to think that just because we've seen a few years or know how things have gone in our lives, that somehow we can determine the course or outcome of our lives? Who are we? In comparison with the Lord God Almighty, by whom all things were made and for whom all things are redeemed. Who are we in comparison? It's kind of like listening to those scoffers. It's kind of like being a kid and having a terrible friend who comes to you and says, Hey, here's what you should do. You should, you should go take the keys to your dad's car and take it for a drive around the block. He'll never know. Those scoffers are like that kind of a friend who comes to you with a lie. Of course he's going to know. He's going to know, in the first place, that his seat is, is, has been moved, and the mirror is out of focus, and the steering wheel is not turned the way that he left it, the car is not lined up the way he put it in the garage, and all of those scratches in the door, those weren't there before. He's going to know. The scoffers are like that foolish friend who tries to convince you something that you know is not true. You're going to get away with this. The scoffers try to convince you that there is no God to whom you are accountable. They try to convince you that time is eternal in this world. That nothing is ever going to change. It's a lie. It's a lie. They know it, and we know it. So what do we do? We change our focus. We change our perspective to listen to what God says and think of it not as just a thread by which we are hanging on desperately, but our sure and steady foundation. How do we understand the fact that it's been 2,000 years and the clock is still ticking? And Christ has not come again. It has to do with God's patience. Listen again to what Peter says. The Lord is not slow. He's not slow to fulfill what he's promised. As some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Count the patience of God as your salvation. For as time ticks on and things seem to continue as they always have been, it is for your good that you might learn more and more to trust in God. And that those you love those you see around you, your friends and your neighbors and your family, that they also might learn to trust in God. God's patience is meant for your salvation, and God, he is the one who knows how to preserve his faithful. So when he gives you his word, it is not this thread by which we are dangling, hoping on, hoping that we can just hold on desperately to something unstable, but it is something sure and certain in this way. Listen to what St. Peter said in chapter 2. He said, if God spared Lot 
as he brought him out of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, if he spared Noah when he saved him in the flood, if he spares his people from every trial and affliction, he certainly knows, he certainly knows how to save you who trust in his word. How does God draw you out of this world and into the next? How does he save you from the flood of wickedness that is in this world? It is by his word. How does God preserve your life? It's by his word. How does he keep you until the day that he comes? It's not by you thinking things through carefully. It's not by you placing a bet on this or that part of this life. It's not by you hedging against death or calamity, but it is by his word. That's the gift that he has given to you. That is what will keep you to the end. It will keep you until the end. Noah didn't make it into the ark by somehow having a plan B in case this didn't work out. He was saved in the ark because he listened to God and trusted in him. So fill your ears all the time with God's word. It's more than a thread. It is the sure and certain foundation of everything God is doing for you. Fill your ears and your hearts with his word because that is what keeps you to the end. And that end, that day, is surely coming. What is the world to you with all its vaunted treasures? It's going away. But God's word is going to endure forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.